This is Community Forum, a public affairs presentation of McKenzie River Broadcasting. Each week, we learn about issues affecting our community with your host, Tracy Berry. So here's a question for you. When you think of gambling, what image first springs to mind? Is it a casino, maybe a lottery game? Do you ever think about things like fantasy sports, video games, or day trading? March is Oregon's Problem Gambling Awareness Month. It's a time to highlight some of the issues that can lead to addiction and offer help to those who want to break their cycle. Oregon has some great resources in place to try it and help people out. In fact, there's a phone number that gets advertised a lot, 877-MY-LIMIT. That's 877-MY-LIMIT. And online, there's Oregon Problem Gambling Resources at opgr.org. That's opgr.org. Our guest this morning is Julie Hines. She's the executive director with the Oregon Council on Problem Gambling. And if her name sounds familiar, it's because she spent years running similar problem gambling awareness programs right here in Lane County. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. One of the things that some people ask is, well, how do I know if I have a problem? Probably similar to how you look at um, people with alcohol use disorder. You know, it's it's that sort of, you know, the old term is denial, which a lot of us are familiar with. And, and sort of in psychology terms, we call it pre-contemplation, where people just aren't ready to admit that they have a problem. They may not see it in themselves. And, and even if they do see it in themselves, they push it off, right? Am I lying or concealing my behavior? Am I spending more time and money on it? For example, with gambling, am I preoccupied with it? Am I unable to cut back or quit? Am I feeling restless or irritable when I'm trying to cut back and quit with gambling? Am I chasing losses, which mainly means like, you know, when you go play and you lose this mentality around, okay, maybe I can get it back if I just spend a little bit more, maybe this next turn, maybe this next game. So those are kind of the things that we look for. Now in the pandemic, it's a little bit more complicated, right, Tracy? Because now we're dealing with people that are isolated. Oftentimes they're on their own devices. It's not recognizable. So even when you think about things like alcohol use disorder, sometimes people may have noticed it if they're around other people, but now we have this isolation. And then with gambling, the ability to play on our phones or our computers and this increased ability to then hide the behavior and, and it could really draw out the time in which somebody could actually um, you know, see the problem or, or seek help. And it's something that really has shifted in, gosh, I want to say, you know, less than a generation. It used to be that gambling, problem gambling was an in-person kind of thing. And then the computer became, uh, you know, much more a central part of life. And now with all of the online offerings for people, it, it really has, I don't know if it's changed the demographics so much, if it's mostly younger people online, or you're finding all ages just kind of coming into some of these risky behaviors. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And we, we have been used to sort of the brick and mortar. And sometimes even, you know, listeners may be thinking about gambling. The immediate thing that comes to mind is Vegas and casinos. And yet we have this world where people can log on to a, a sports wagering uh, app. They can, you know, go into uh, online, sometimes legal, sometimes not legal wagering. There's also video games that have a lot of gambling elements in them. So there's just so much going on now, which is opportunity and availability and accessibility for people. And with regard to age, yes, we see more older adults venturing into casinos than we do younger uh, folks. And that's why the gambling industry is trying to figure out creative ways to get people back into the casinos that aren't in their 60s. Um, but we also have to think about millennials, right? I mean, the millennials, we've always kind of, or at least we've in recent years, we've, we've considered them to be young tykes. 
and you know, younger millennials are now in their mid twenties. So we have this whole generation now of Gen Xers who are familiar with computers with millennials. And then, you know, you're going to have your future Gen Zers that are going to come on board as well. And you, know, you mentioned the, the gaming and how some of that can, the video gaming can almost lead into some of these larger gambling issues. You start looking at uh, teens and children who are already getting into some of these behaviors. Yeah. And that's the thing that is most risky is when someone starts a risky behavior earlier on in life, they're more likely than to develop a problem later on in life. And we see that with alcohol. We see it with other drugs. We see it with other risky behaviors and gambling is definitely no exception. Most parents and adults don't think that kids are gambling. And that's sort of the, the misconception that we really want to help address is that because it's not a casino, we're not talking about casinos, we're talking about getting online and playing fantasy sports or online casinos or even social casino gaming or even Grand Theft Auto. There's a casino in Grand Theft Auto video game and Red Dead Redemption and so forth. So we're seeing so much integration and convergence in the worlds of video gaming and gambling that many people in prevention world and public health are thinking about this as sort of quote unquote grooming, where you have the, the child kind of experiencing various different aspects of it, not necessarily spending money or things of value on it, but then start spending money and things of value. And so that's the research is really bearing this out. So some parents are probably listening and going, well, you know, what do I do then? How do I, how do I counsel my child? How do we figure out how to set limits? How do they learn how to recognize this for what it is so they don't develop these risky habits and behaviors? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's great. I think that's where curiosity kind of comes in here is being curious about the games that, that young people play is understanding what the games are, um, being involved with that. And most parents maybe not necessarily like the games that the kids are playing, but they may allow them to play, but just kind of experiencing the game, asking questions, asking such things as, is there a loot box in this game? So if your listeners may not know, like what is a loot box then? Uh, which is a loot box is essentially a mystery box in which people put their virtual currency into the, the system to try to purchase something that might be a rare weapon or a character or uh, a dance or something rare that might help advance them in the game. And they're really essentially by all intents and purposes, spending money, or, or in-game currency, which usually involves uh, either progressing in the game or spending real currency to try to gain something of greater value. Countries have actually, some countries have actually banned the uses of loot boxes within video games because they're considered gambling in those countries. So monitoring things like that. So looking at what they're playing, um, asking questions about it, setting appropriate limits on the age ratings of these kind of games. This is just sort of global recommendations around that. And obviously, you know, time uh, setting around that is it's become very easy for us now during the pandemic to, okay, go ahead and play the game. I've got to work here. And that's not a knock on parents who are trying to work from home and juggle billions of other things in their lives. But it comes down to remembering, you know, the mental health of the, of the child and the potential uh, risks that they might be engaged in. When you're talking about potential risks in games for children, adults, of course, they're playing those games too. Mm -hmm. And in a larger sense, a lot of gambling that's that's online, it feels like a game, more like gaming than it ever has, I would think. 
Yeah, it really does. And especially because we have this virtual currency now where, you know, we, we spend our time on Amazon and buy things and sort of don't really recognize the dollar value sometimes of things. And it's really exacerbated when you, when you add that world into gambling. And oftentimes the, the conversion of things, even in video games where they convert it to, to coins or they might call it credits or they might call it various other things besides money to sort of, sort of take that psychological idea about what you're spending around that. And, you know, some of the online casinos and sports books have gotten um, some, some criticism around, it's really easy to deposit your money in there. And it's way more complicated to extract your money out of there. Gee, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Well, and, and, and that's the thing though, too, Tracy, is that talking about how it looks like a game and, and that's really what it comes down to is that the gambling industry knows that by traditional slot machines and things like that, they're not going to garner interest from the younger demographic. So they've had to figure out a way, how are we going to draw people in and get keep them engaged? One of the ways that they've been doing that is through uh, looking at video gaming and integrating that. And another thing is really this whole new trend of sports wagering has really exploded uh, in the last two years. And that's because the Supreme Court struck down a federal law that essentially prohibited it. And so we've just seen this explosion of companies that really emphasize it being, you know, having skin in the game, having more game in the game by spending money. It's, it's not that distant a cousin, but uh, there are concerns about day trading people who are doing the stock market and it's almost a game to them. Talk about that, Julie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We've heard so much about this and we, you know, many of us have heard about the whole Robin hood thing in the news uh, most recently with the GameStop stuff and day trading is really fascinating because it's not considered gambling. Uh, but when you think about it, you know, you look at the definition of gambling legally and it's prize. So gaining something out of it, money or something of value chance, there's an element of uncertainty and then consideration, which is spending money or something of significant effort. And we look at day trading and it checks all the boxes, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're spending money and you're not sure whether your stock is going to go up or down. You know, there's the thing about the terms of it. There's potential thousands of things that people can day trade on. It's limitless in terms of the opportunity and it's really engaging for people. And we've seen, especially with the pandemic, uh, people either losing their jobs or they're bored and they're thinking about hope and trying to gain money is spending more um, time into day trading. And it's become more and more accessible to the average layperson to do. Um, unfortunately, not everybody is an expert in stockbroking, right? And so it becomes this risk for many people. Some are good at it, some aren't. But the moral of the story here is it's very similar to sports wagering. And no matter how well you're able to predict a team winning or your stock winning, it's up in the air. And so unfortunately, tragically, we've heard, you know, people die by suicide because um, they have lost a lot of money, uh, more calls to actually the gambling helpline uh, because of day trading problems. And, and there aren't a lot of resources if you go to an online casino or an online sports book, they talk about responsible gambling. They give helpline. There's nothing like that for day trading. You're here with the Oregon Council on Problem Gambling, and you do offer assistance to people. But what? So what's really out there for someone who says, you know, I got a problem, whether it's gambling, day trading. How mm -hmm. do how do they get help? Well, and that's kind of where we started the conversation, right? Is talking about how Oregon has this really robust infrastructure for help for people and. For anyone listening that may be wondering if they or somebody they know might have a problem with gambling, 
be really assured that you're in a great state of resources. Problem Gambling Services in Oregon, we have uh, treatment providers all across the states in almost all counties, regions in the state. There are services that offer outpatient therapy. Obviously with the pandemic now, we have uh, you know the ability to meet online with a individual counselor, with group counseling and help for the significant other who often gets forgotten. I mean, we think about the person who has the addiction typically, but oftentimes we kind of like put aside the person who's really been tragically affected by it, the amount of trust that's been lost, the amount of finances that have been lost. So having the support for people who have been affected by gambling is really, really critical. And Oregon has that infrastructure. And so people who are finding, you know, want to learn how to manage finances, deal with the person with the gambling problem, work around some of those trust issues, a whole bunch of other stuff is available in Oregon. And there's even residential program, which is going to be opening back up in the near future in Salem. So there's, there's really a whole system of support for people who, who want that support and who need it. Yeah, I was just, I was thinking, you know, you're talking about the, the loved ones, the partners, the family of those who, who are dealing with these gambling addictions, having that conversation with the person who's, who's living with that addiction, that, that's not always an easy one to start, but give people some thoughts on, you know, what to look for and how to, how to have that talk, those talks, since it's probably more than one. It's definitely going to be more than one. Cause the first one, they'll either slam the door in your face or, you know, poo poo you with a, uh, know, to say, Oh, thanks for caring, but I'm fine. It's going to be multiple conversations. Um, the first thing that I would say is every conversation and every person's different, right? There's no one size fits all approach. That being said, if the person is safe, so they're not feeling like they're in a situation of domestic violence, where if they bring something up, it could potentially really be damaging and harmful for them. If they're in a safe situation and relationship with the person to be able to start the conversation by saying, look, I, I really care about you. This is what I'm seeing in your behavior. I've noticed and specific, be specific about it. I've noticed that you have um, been ditching out on your recent bowling nights. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go bowling again? Um, I've noticed that you are not um, paying bills on time. I've noticed that you're not really taking care of yourself. You used to do morning runs and now I noticed that. So being very, very specific about the behavior and not pointing the finger at you know, you're an idiot. You're not paying bills. You're not running anymore. You look fat. Like, yeah, that obviously, gets a great reaction. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then saying, I've I've learned that there are these resources for help. I would like you to see if you would like to call a number or log online. Um, also, just for the person who's might be thinking about having that conversation, if you're worried about finances of being a barrier, the help in Oregon is free. It's completely free. So that's really, really important, especially for an issue like gambling problems where you have people oftentimes in a lot of debt. So the helpline, best resources on the web, where do you want to direct people? Folks can call one eight seven seven my limit which is 877-695-4648. They can also go online, opgr.org, stands for Oregon Problem Gambling Resource opgr.org. And there people can actually, if they don't want to call for help, they can look at the resources available and chat online and get help as well. And how, how long for the person who's getting treatment for their addiction, how long does it take on average to really help people get to a point where they can kind of embark on a new path? 
Well, we're also fortunate in Oregon to have kind of re- good research and evaluation of, of treatment efforts. So it's much easier to answer that question than it would be if we didn't collect that data. And folks even who only show up once have higher success rates. So not to say we want people to only show up once, but uh, it usually takes a few weeks and sometimes a few months. The a relapse is a part of recovery. So sometimes people need to come back. Uh, in Oregon, we have an allowance for 50 hours of support, but easily able to, to have some more support. And then there are recovery support services too. So we have uh, peer recovery mentors in Oregon who after people get through that, the um, initial sort of treatment processes, they can also get support with peer recovery mentors, which is great because then they can you know, kind of get that extra um, little oomph, right? If they're feeling kind of temptation. Success rates are really good in Oregon uh, for problem gambling treatment. And so you see uh, like uh, more than four and five people that have gone through the treatment in some capacity have reported either not gambling or significantly reducing their gambling after about six months of, of uh, looking at it retrospectively. That's really encouraging. And I, I know that, you know, for any addiction, a lot of times you have to do some self-analysis and look at your habits and things that might be part of the whole behavior. But uh, but to be able to help people get to that kind of change, that's, that's got to be really satisfying. It really is. And, and the people who provide the support in Oregon are incredible. Every single person who answers the helpline, every single person who offers the treatment services is a certified gambling counselor in Oregon. And that's a pretty um, intensive process to get certified for that because gambling is very different than other disorders. Uh, so the specialized help is really important to, to provide for people. And, and we're really, you know, I can't say enough about the hearts and the souls of the people that are providing that help. If you call the helpline number and you get um, somebody as a counselor, maybe they did not a great fit. You can ask for somebody else, uh, but it's really, they really, really care. That's really great. The timing's good because March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month. So this is when you make a big push. Uh, you do it all year, but this is a time to especially focus on it and try to get people uh, you know, taking care of themselves. Yeah. And it's a good time of year. Obviously, everybody has an awareness month or a week or a day, but this is March was chosen initially because of the whole March Madness basketball thing. And that was the main driver for sports wagering for so many years. Now, of course, people wager on cricket matches and things that are available, but it is important this time of year to really sort of take stock, to think about how um, gambling is a serious problem and just kind of educating the general public. Cause it's often one of those issues that people just don't, don't think about. It's so easily hidden that we need to highlight the awareness of problem gambling as an issue that, you know, one in 38 Oregon adults suffer from. Final thoughts, anything you want to add? Just uh, for folks who may be knowing that there's somebody that they love has a problem with gambling, there's hope, there's help. Uh, we want to make sure that, that, that people know that uh, they can reach out anytime, 24-7 for free and confidential help. And once again, if people want help, the phone number, the website. 877-MY-LIMIT, that is 877-695-4648 or they can log online to opgr.org. Julie Hines from the Oregon Council on Problem Gambling. Thanks for being our guest this morning on Community Forum. Thank you, Tracy. Community Forum is a public affairs presentation of McKenzie River Broadcasting. If you have questions, comments, or your organization is interested in taking part in a future program, we'd like to hear from you. Send your letter to McKenzie River Broadcasting, 
Attention Public Affairs, 925 Country Club Road, Suite 200, Eugene, Oregon, 97401. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week.